Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I'm so glad you're all joining us here today. And we have a very special guest from Bali. I'm very excited about that. I love Bali. It's a beautiful place. It was a great place that I went as kind of part of my healing after my the second husband that I had die. I wanted to, to go someplace new and do something different and see something beautiful. And I certainly discovered that in Bali. It was absolutely fabulous. And I highly recommend it. So... Chris, and I forgot to ask you how to pronounce your last name. Sirach. Oh, I would have said it wrong. So Chris Sirach <laughs> is here. <laughs> well, and, there is no right or wrong, but oh, yes. Okay, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a, a wonderful person, has a, a great book called Be You. And I invited him in particular because a lot of people, when they're dealing with grief, kind of forget who you is. And I thought we could have an interesting conversation. So... Hi, Chris. Hi, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. Can you tell everybody a little bit about you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's um, there's a lot to tell, and, and I think I'm not unique in that way. I think everyone has an incredible story and a, and a timeline and an unfolding of, of their hero's journey. And uh, in my case, uh, I grew up uh, pretty much a a military brat and just moving around a lot, which was my early challenge is to uh, to work through the the rootlessness. Um, But, you know, later on, I realized that also provided me with perspective. I was never too indoctrinated into one way of thinking, one way of living. And then ultimately that made me who I am. So there's nothing ever to be regretted. And uh, I had a 25 plus career in design and psychology and tech and multimedia and, and startup world and uh, teaching in higher education. And, and that all led me uh, one day to, through my journaling, to realize that uh, all of this, um, my own voice was emerging from, from these experiences, including, you know, loss and grief and, you know, some of the things we'll talk about today and realizing that uh, everything is a reflection of who we are and what we need to look at within ourselves to become bigger and better persons and the the person we really were meant to be. Oh, that's beautiful. And I love how you said that you discovered things through your journaling because that that was exactly what happened with me. I've uh, been a journaler for years and I found after um, my second husband that died was gone that I was spending a lot of time with my journal and I was I was just amazed at what was coming out and and what happened because of what I was journaling where if I would have just been sitting there thinking about it I'm not sure it would have all come to be. Yeah, that's exactly the the value of journaling but also speaking. So when we're just in our heads and uh, thoughts tend to just fly around um, um I like to do a 
uh, an exercise with my students that within seconds, um, it's a it's a breath exercise. Within seconds, you you get to see just how much of a monkey mind we have, and it jumps around from branch to branch and past to future and topic to topic and taking you down rabbit holes. And so nothing really ever becomes concrete. But once we write things down, things really crystallize, or even just speaking them out, they they crystallize. So yeah, there's great value in that. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And and a lot of times uh, people who are dealing with grief, especially in early grief, aren't talking a whole lot. There's not a lot of people around that they get to talk to. So the journalist is really, I think, essential at that point. Yeah. And it's energy, right? So we, we need to release and, and get get that energy moving and, and, and get it out of us. And uh, so if we're just holding it in, um, you know, it's not, it doesn't bode too well. That's true. Would you be able to share that uh, exercise that you mentioned with us? Yeah, absolutely. We can do it on air. It's it's very simple. So if you can just sit into a, a relaxed pose and with our eyes and mouth closed, we're going to focus on the incoming and outgoing breath at the entrance of our nostrils. Just simply observe your breath as it is. And if you have trouble locating your breath, you can breathe slightly harder once or twice. And then return to natural breath, normal breath. And let's do this for 20 seconds. Slowly open our eyes. Especially if this is the first time doing this, uh, one will have noticed that within seconds, thoughts appear and pull our attention away. And it can be frustrating at first to realize that we can't even keep our focus on something as basic as our breath for more than a few seconds before that monkey mind sets in and and takes us on, on other roads. And so that's really uh, what we've been working with most of our lives is is this mind that jumps around a lot that's untamed because we don't exercise it. It's it's an it's an awareness muscle of being aware of your thoughts. We're not our thoughts, so we tend to become conditioned to believe our thoughts, to identify with our thoughts, and then ultimately the mind has this power over us. And if we use the mind, which is uh, is a, a tool designed to know things. And the future is the great unknown, right? So if we try to navigate life into, the, go out into this future of the unknown, then we're working with a tool that is always frantically trying to fill the unknown with something it knows. And most of the time, as we realize, this can just be pure fabrication projection, but that's just what it does. And so my practice is, and, and this applies to grief in, in a very big way, is, is to come out of that headspace where we're, we're so identified with our thoughts and the stories and the traumas that, that are associated with them and uh, bring our attention, find our groundedness within our body. And this simple breath exercise is really just returning to the breath is such a beautiful tool because it's one of the few things that we uh, we have control over, but it can also work autonomously. So uh, it's just a beautiful tool to use and, and try to regulate. There's lots of research for those who are interested on on how it regulates uh, blood pressure and 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 uh, well being overall, and and ultimately feeling 
your body, uh, your breath, your body, your sensations. It brings you into the present moment. And the present moment is typically so simple and so small, if you will. There's not enough room for anxiety and fear. A lot of this, that is just projections by the mind. So uh, working with the breath, working with, with body scanning, which I teach at, at my retreats and also in one-on-one -on -one sessions, that helps us find our grounding in, in our body in the present moment. And there we can then really work through some of these overwhelming feelings that are only overwhelming when we're really in, in our head where there's this endless canvas of, uh, of amplifying our feelings. Wow. It's so true. I've, I've done lots of breathing things over the years, and it's it's so wonderful to be able to to get centered and kind of allow everything else to fall away, so that you can focus on on the moment. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of things like even just taking your socks off and and standing, you know, in in grass. Again, the the there's a an immediate response to you know Mother Earth. And again, people who are into research can can look up how all the different uh, particles get activated inside of us, and, and as soon as we just touch touch the earth, touch ground. So really connecting back to who we really are, feeling our feelings as they are, without exaggerating them, without lingering on them, and and kind of expanding what has happened beyond the actual event. So that really brings us back to a place of simplicity and connectedness to ourselves, to others. Uh, a lot of this this mental uh, lens leads to judging and defining and labeling, all of which ultimately creates a sense of separateness between us and the people, places, and things that we judge and label and define. And that that ultimately leads to feeling, you know, small and lonely in this big, scary world, as opposed to really seeing things as they are experiencing, experiencing, as I call it. And that then reduces the distance. It pulls you in. It, it, it's a non-reactive energy. It's, uh, it's inclusive energy. It's, uh, it's, it's a caring and loving and compassionate and empathic energy. And being interested in what the moment brings, having a beginner's mindset, curiosity of, of you know, to see what brings, what the next moment brings. And there's a magic that unfolds from there. I love that, that being able to allow us ourselves to experience that magic is is quite wonderful. And I love what you said about the you having your feet in the grass. I before I moved to Maui, I've been here about seven years now, and I used to have all kinds of foot problems. Going to the podiatrist, all, you know, all kinds of things, and had problems getting shoes that fit right and that I was comfortable in. And once I got to Maui. I really hardly have any shoes anymore because <laughs> I'm always barefoot. I'm always, you know, outside whenever I can be outside. And the change has been remarkable. Uh, I have no pain in my feet right now. I do because I had a little foot surgery. But generally, I have no pain in my feet, which is a miracle for me <laughs> after all those years of foot problems. And it was so natural as just taking off my shoes and getting outside and feeling the grass up between your toes and it's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great example of 
the things that we, you know, these are all signs and, and we have to listen to them. And so all that foot pain led you to a more grounded existence, if I can call it that, right? Mm -hmm. And and so all the things that happened to us that that, you know, when we say, why me? Why did this happen? And and so forth, um, rather than being so much in resistance and wanting it to be different, because we get stuck in this wanting what has already happened to be different, which is kind of futile in and of itself, but to to see the lesson in it, to to look for the where is it pointing me? Or more importantly, where is it pointing to within us? Because we wouldn't feel triggered if there wasn't something inside of us that that needed attention. And usually it's it's love and care and 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 self, self-knowing, self-loving uh that we're being called to do. That's true. You know, I was just thinking about being in in Bali was such a a beautiful experience for me. The people were we're so different than anything you experience in, in uh, the U.S. at all. There seems like everybody's kind. Everybody seems spiritual. You have the the beautiful offerings that they put out with the incense in front of the doors every place every morning. And you just, well, grounded is the word that comes to me. You kind of feel, I felt grounded there. It, it wasn't all the, it was very easy to be in the moment while I was there. Yeah, that does sound very similar to where I am in Bali and the offerings and the um, the kind of coming out of yourself, right? Uh, mm-hmm. To to honor a, a greater power, a, a greater existence beyond yourself, and um, that just makes for a groundedness in, in in our you know spiritual being. And uh, yeah, some cultures, especially island states, I think they have a lot uh, of that happening and. Somewhere in our journeys through the twists and turns of life, uh, everyone should should uh, give it a shot to to venture out there and experience that. Yeah, it's it's really. Uh, I think it's it's an amazing experience to be able to get someplace different, look at things through different eyes. We get so used to how things have always been, especially if you've lived in the same place always or same area. You see the same people every day do the same things every day and by being able to see how other people live and experience life is is really miraculous in in a lot of ways yeah yeah it opens us up in in so many different levels and you know it's our resistance to change that uh often prevents us from from leaving our comfort zones but it's kind of a a futile attempt because uh, change will come to our doorstep if if we don't, you know, actively seek it. So we may as well actively seek it because that's what will grow us, um, uh, you know, in reasonable quantities, uh, one, one at a time. But certainly that that's our purpose ultimately is is to keep expanding and because we we discover ourselves through these new experiences. We're uh, responding to them from a place of who am I? And and uh, it reveals parts of ourselves that we didn't know before, pretty and ugly, whatever they may be, and pleasant or unpleasant. Um, but through that, they, we become less, less stuck. We become more conscious, more self-aware of ourselves and others. And ultimately, awareness is the type of energy and frequency we, we want to be living in and that we want to be contributing back to the world. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. It's, I think it's so important to just uh, pay attention. And I, I know I, I spent most of my life and, you know, like what the, with the, Things they put on the horses so that they can't see either blinders, way. Blinders, yeah. <laughs> blinders, yeah. <laughs> With blinders on because I was doing what I thought I had to do and when I had to do it and how I thought I was supposed to do it and didn't see that there were the the world beyond that and life beyond that. And when I I was uh, my husband, Ron, he taught me very much about living in the moment which something I really hadn't considered before. I, I thought I was, you know. <laughs> but when, when you actually uh, do live in the moment and just pay attention to right now, because it really is all we really have is right now, then you can make right now pretty wonderful wherever you are, whatever's going yeah. on. Yeah. You, you can and, choose to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that requires... Um, an openness and and you mentioned the uh, paying attention earlier and that's really a, a key to instead of being so self-absorbed we're really looking at the detail and the novelty of each situation and what it's saying and um in this detail in this paying attention we we stay out of this uh this mental labeling of things this taking a snapshot and then you know, living through that snapshot of a, of a person or a place and then being upset when it changes, <laughs> but rather we're, we're staying connected to the freshness um, of each moment. Uh, a simple exercise to do with, with um, you know, if you've been in a relationship for a very long time or you've had a favorite art piece sitting there that you've just grown so accustomed to that you hardly see it anymore, right? You just walk right past it. And one time it was so fresh and, and exciting and is to literally notice the detail. Uh, really look at something that you haven't looked at before. If it's a person, look at their eye. Uh, eyebrow or their earlobe, or if it's your favorite artwork, is just lean in closer, notice the frame or whatever it may be. And that breaks through this kind of mental snapshot that we've, uh, that lead, ultimately leads to it fading, our experience with, with the newness fading. And it, it brings us back into the present moment with what is right in front of us, which is always alive. It's always evolving and changing and fresh and new. We just have to get get into the habit of of staying present with it yeah and it's it's amazing what you can see when you when you do something like that i recalled when you were saying that about the first time i i went to an art museum where there was a painting by van gogh that i'd seen in books and pictures always but i'd never seen one in person and I was blown away. It it looked so different and it was so spectacular. And I thought, well, now I see why everybody thinks he's such a big deal because he really is because this is just absolutely amazing. And and when you flatten it out with a photograph, you, you just don't get that same sense. So when you really do start paying attention to what things look at, look like, it it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I think we've all had uh, that type of experience where maybe it's a book or a movie, uh, uh, some experience that a few years later, maybe we revisit it and uh, or experience it again. And we see it with different eyes and we, we have a, a new experience of it. And 
Well, that's usually because we've changed and we've evolved. So we keep seeing things as a reflection of who we are. And if we really stay present with things, then everything keeps evolving. Everything keeps staying fresh. We don't have to wait years and years when we've obviously shifted, but rather that we, you know, we stay in that flow of, of the, uh, our awareness of an ever-changing, ever-unfolding life. And then everything pretty much stays fresh and, and magical because it is. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You don't have to. One thing that just amazes me is when people tell me they're bored because I don't understand the concept of boredom at all. It, uh, I, I think it's a choice that you make to be bored. I I live uh, where I live in, in Maui. I'm up on the side of a volcano. And so I've got a kind of an extensive view and I, I have a, a yard that's got all kinds of beautiful things growing in it. And every time I go outside, and and I love to go out and, and sit outside, I actually take my computer out there and call it my office. <laughs> you know, that I'd, I'd rather work out there when I'm doing my writing and things, it, because everything is is different every time I go out there. I see different things, and it's beautiful, and I get to taste different things. You know, you walk through, and we have things growing in the garden, and there's a there's a gorgeous flower that we have here that looks kind of like a a wax pine cone where the the ends tip over a little bit, but it's got these little tiny, not tiny, but these yellow um, like blossoms that stick out at different points on it that just a few of them on there. And I was out there the other day with a, a friend of mine and she said, you know, you can eat those. And I said, uh, no. <laughs> she said, yeah, I tried that. Just the yellow part, not the, the waxy looking big red thing. And it was so sweet and unique. I, I can't even compare it to anything else except for saying that it was sweet. And I thought, I'm so glad that she told me that so I could have that experience because I, I would never have experienced that flavor any other way. Yeah, yeah. Well, the diversity of nature is just mind-boggling altogether all above the uh, sea, but I'm just getting into uh, diving here and Ooh. and what's below the the water. It's just, uh, I mean, that's a whole nother uh, world down there. That everything you think is just, you know, if something's just a rock, it, it's it's some creature or some coral alive thing. And so, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, that's our key to, you know, we are an, an expression of that nature just as much and talk about amazing, diverse, complex creatures, you know, getting to know ourselves in the midst of this incredible diversity and beauty is, is really, um, uh, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all an experience. And if, if we can live that experience and uh, with, with grief, I know a lot of times people kind of shut down and they don't, they'll just sit and, not go any place or do anything or they'll lie in bed or lie on the couch or sit on the couch and, and aren't really moving. And generally when they get to the point where they can start moving, but what, what I always tell them to do is go outside, just, just breathe the fresh air outside. And the, the more often you go out, the further you're going to go out, the more you're going to see, the more experience you're going to have. And, it it helps bring you back alive in, in a way that you won't be if you stay in the staleness of the same position and, and the same air breathing all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And I, I tell my meditator groups 
all the time. It's you have to balance out the sitting with with movement. Ultimately, you can sit and and kind of like break up the stuck energy, but it won't really leave you until you start moving. So movement is so important. Like you said, it uh, dovetails into what we were talking about a moment ago is how you then, you know, get out of your head mm-hmm. where uh, we have a lot of these uh, loops, uh, looping thoughts exist and the stories that we tell ourselves and and you connect with the simplicity and detail of, of nature out there and, and let it lead you to the next thing and the next thing and take a few more steps and uh, you can come out of uh, whatever uh, mood you're in uh, where you're feeling stuck and, and very simply um, nature walks. My mom had a, she's 82, had a triple bypass a few years ago. And that's one of her main remedies is really to, to do nature walks, to, to go be with the trees. Uh, cause nature is healing. It's loving. It, it kind of reaches out to you when, when you're out there and kind of entangles you in it. And it's a beautiful, uh, planet <laughs> ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> It really is. When, when my husband had his open heart surgery and they, they told him uh, to go for walks when, when he got home and we'd never really gone for walks before. He just didn't want to take the time to do it. And we started just walking in our neighborhood, um, which was actually quite lovely with lots of flowers. And there were lots of roses growing in the arts in our, our neighborhood. And he literally would go up and smell the roses. <laughs> he took time to smell the roses because he was just so excited that he could. He said, you know, I didn't realize what I was missing before when I wasn't allowing myself to do this. Mm-hmm. But once I could, these th- they just smell so fantastic that he, you could just see him, him light up in a way that he hadn't in, in years because he was too busy working and being himself. And he had, he had fun and things too, but he just had missed out on that part of his life and he made up for it by uh, allowing himself to enjoy it. Yeah. All these things point us to where we should be going. Right. And most of the time we're not actually on our path not on the ideal kind of middle road. We, we tend to swerve <laughs> and we get off the path and then something happens that forces us to course. Correct. And then we move back onto a path and maybe we veer the other direction. And um, so life is kind of, you know, a, a journey of twists and turns. But ultimately, it's always pointing us back to uh, balance, to uh, self-love, self-knowing. And uh, and the more we can't take care of ourselves, the more we're then in a position to to take care and, and, and love others. That's right. I, love is... So incredibly important and unconditional love. That was another thing that I learned was <laughs> loving yeah, unconditionally. That little thing, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, it, it's it's so amazing because you 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 think you know sure I love unconditionally, but when you really think about it, it's not really. So, <laughs> but when you discover that you can and you do, it feels really good. I'm I'm always telling people they'll ask me about something and they say you you had two husbands die how can you be so happy and I said well I'm actually happier now than I ever have been because I've figured a lot of these things out like unconditional love and going barefoot and living my life you know enjoying taking deep breaths and and relishing them yeah yeah when things happen that we didn't want to have happen 
um, it deepens us, right? We may be in resistance first, and part of that resistance is the grief and, and uh, the struggle through the feelings it brought up, but ultimately surrendering to the situation and, and letting go of those those feelings again. And uh, that's what deepens us, and that's what makes us a, a, a better, a, a bigger, and, and a deeper person. And so all these things happen for a reason. Yeah, everything does. It sure does. Well, I have loved this conversation. I just, I, I feel like I'm all smiley through this whole thing. <laughs> it feels really good. And it, I like talking to you because you're smiling too. And it, it just, it feels good. And it's it's important to put yourself around pleasant people. <laughs> that that makes a big difference too. If you can smile together, that that really helps. And yes. This is this has been a beautiful conversation, and um, I'm sure that our listeners are going to want to know more about you and, and what you do. And we'll have that in our our links under the recording, including "Bu" his beautiful book that that he wrote that uh, gives you a lot to think about. So, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you, Emily. It's been a great, great pleasure. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'll see our, our guests again next time. And so happy that you're listening to us. Aloha. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.